Welcome to Albright Out Loud, a podcast about the enriching, creative, and innovative stories of the people at the heart of Albright College's campus community. I'm your host, Jackie Fetro, president and alumna of Albright College, coming to you from the Center for the Arts on our wonderful campus in Reading, Pennsylvania. Albright Out Loud features the empowering explorations that are part of the Albright College experience and the significance those have for our students, our faculty, and our community beyond. Today's episode is a continuation of our conversation that we started on the last episode about inclusive and ethical leadership. This certificate is part of several of our programs at Albright College as we think inclusive and ethical leadership is part of many different disciplines. As with part one in this podcast, my guests today are Dr. Lisa Hain, Academic Program Chair for Albright's new Master's in Applied Psychology and a PA licensed psychologist. Dr. Allison Slosher, Professor and Program Chair of the Athletic Leadership Program in Albright School of Professional Studies and also an athletic trainer on the Albright campus. Jose Joey Miranda, who's Vice President of the Foundation for the Reading Pagoda and board member of the Reading Education Foundation. And finally, William, or BJ, Hogan, who is currently pursuing his master's in athletic leadership through Albright School of Professional Studies. BJ serves as the athletic director for a school in Philadelphia. I'm really glad to welcome the four of you back again today and glad we can continue our conversation that was so interesting in the first episode. So I'm gonna invite us all to think, take a little bit of a turn here, to think about other leaders. We've talked about our classes, we've talked about our teaching, we talked about ourselves a little bit. Think about other leaders who we have interacted or known, not those big ones like the President of the United States that none of us know, but those with whom we have interacted at some point in our lives, could be anybody. Think about those leaders And think about whether you considered them or consider them now to be inclusive and ethical leaders. And then think about what are the traits, what are the common traits of an inclusive and ethical leader? So just name one and give an example of how one of the leaders in your brain demonstrated that trait. Um, So sitting on the board for the Reading Education Foundation, where our goal is to, you know, these students that come in, these are inner city youth, Um, you know, dream, hope, dream, believe, you know, so these are these are students that are, are in classrooms from elementary up to high school, where, um, you know, they come from broken homes. And there's this gap between the home and then the educational system, a lack of resources for these students to, to evolve, um, to be the leaders that they need to be. Uh, the president who, uh, was a, who was a former principal, uh, Gordon Hudak, um, some of you may know, um, what he has built um, as a principal, uh, as a man of the community, um, has been the ability to pour into an individual or individuals um, 
and instill that hope that they can be successful leaders. That belief in themselves. Right. Um, not only from a young age, but even up through adulthood. And just working with him uh, now on the board and just to, just the way he kind of handles himself, the humility that he has, the compassion, the sympathy that he has. Um, you know, when he, we're in boardroom meetings and just the way he carries himself and then especially how he carries himself in front of children. So it's not, it's not like um, where it's, it's fake, it's not filtered, it's that's who he is. And I aspire just to have just a little bit of what he has that I can put in my in, in my life and how I approach others. So I would have to say he would be the one that would be I would aspire. He's 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 amazing. He's he amazing. is amazing. He's Absolutely. He's an amazing man. He's yes. an amazing man. Absolutely. I, I'll share back um, my my example. The one that I I have a number of them, but sitting on the board of an institution of higher education, a um, lot of Caucasian folks, men and women, and one African American gentleman. And whatever the board was discussing, the very first question out of his mouth is, how will this policy impact the students of color? And he held the rest of the board through my the time that I, that I experienced that board. He held the rest of that board and the management accountable to thinking about bringing the data of how this would impact the students of color. And it, it was a way of thinking that not, not that board didn't automatically think about, but a way of bringing that thought automatically into the room. Other examples? Yeah, another way to go with that, the one person I'm thinking of is a strong advocate. Um, so it's one of my former softball coaches. And, you know, when you have universities, you have bigger tier teams that the individuals may see as, oh, they get everything they want type of thing. Sometimes the smaller teams, maybe potentially female teams, feel like they don't get the same either attention or care type thing. So she kept fighting um, with the administration, with athletic trainers and everything else to make sure that her girls were getting what they deserved and was taking, you know, how they felt. And again, it's all about how they feel and validating that and then sharing that with those to try and make a difference, whether it's just bringing awareness and just being an advocate. So just like that individual was on the board, it's I'm going to be an advocate because I am in a position to represent what a certain type of population, regardless of what it is, and kind of making sure that they have a voice in that room at all times, regardless. That 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 having that bringing that voice into the room at all times, mm -hmm. whether that those people are there or not. That goes back to what you said, Allie, at the beginning, doing the right thing no matter who is watching, right? Right. So we, we circle back around to what you said. And in the that's beginning. something that stuck with you. So it could be okay if there's somebody that's different. It's like, oh, now we're thinking about this way. Well, what about these students? Or maybe it's somebody with disabilities and accessibility on campus. It kind of opens up that um, the kind of that awareness of, okay, we, we can't just think about maybe the majority of the population because we do have a wide range of students here at Albright and you want to make sure that not one person feels left out or unheard. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Thank you for sharing. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I'm going to take it just a totally different way and say my mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's no longer with us, but I remember as a child, she was my role model because she was a woman and she was our uh, breadwinner of the family. And I remember there were times where maybe you wanted to quit at something or like I even did quit the softball team once. <laughs> and I remember going home and saying I quit. And she said, you call those coaches up and you 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 go right back because the, she she understood that you needed to um, inspire and instill confidence. And and so she pushes you or pushed me to to apologize.
dies. And yes, we went on and we won the championship that year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's like, I think, I think, uh, like you said, leaders can come in any forms and in any way. And I think just um, being like that inner city kid in Reading growing up um, and, and knowing that there wasn't a ceiling. Like there wasn't this glass ceiling. It was, you can go do whatever you want. And that perspective of, um, I think, uh, just motivating was is what I kind of look for in a leader who no matter what is there to push you and support you. When you make a mistake, get back up, you know, say your forgiveness and keep on going. And so, yeah, I'm going to say my mom was um, was that person. That's, that's great. So we have <laughs> um, uh, doing the right thing, no matter who is watching. We have that empathy, compassion, helping people to realize they can be their best selves that that you brought into the room, Joey. We have that motivation, get up on the horse and do it again thing that is really about helping to instill that leadership, that ability to keep going because leadership's not always easy, right? Right, There's always going to be barriers and things. Get over the bump. Yeah. (laughs) And then bringing that voice into the room, especially if that voice isn't represented. Do you have one, BJ, you'd like to bring in? I mean, I just similar, you know, I have a former coach that really was a great role model. And, you know, when you're going through high school, you don't think, you know, you just think this guy's a big, you know, mean old man. But when as you get older, you realize that he's trying to instill things the right way. And, you know, he's one of the individuals that, you know, once you go back and you meet with former teammates, he had such an impact on everybody as a role model leader. You know, he really taught us lessons that, you know, we're kind of taking in, into today. And me at being a coach, I find myself doing the same things he did, you know, 25 years ago. So uh, the impact that certain individuals have on our lives, especially in the, the coaching profession, you know, really last. So setting yeah. that setting that example that you really, really want to emulate. Yeah, he was. He was the guy, you know, he was a teacher in school, head football coach. And I said, you know, this is probably what I want to do. And he's probably the example of why I went that direction in my life. Wow. That's somebody who has that had an impact on you. That's a leader. A little bit. That's a leader. <laughs> that's, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So let's think about those traits that we just enumerated. And from both the faculty perspective and the student perspective what do you bring in a class into a class that helps the students not only to like learn and memorize those are the traits but to actually learn to do them so what would you what do you do in the class what do you what do you what do you what do you as a student or as a faculty member that would actually help the students not just to know those skills but to do them. I think through the discussions, because each individual can share something different, where it's, and it, again, it's showing those examples. So somebody might have already be doing it and not realize that that's actually a leadership trait. So hearing someone else, oh, I've, I've done that, or I can do that type of thing, the discussions and just the sharing of different experiences and almost like challenging someone like, okay, go out and try this today or, you know, try and instill some of these traits in just your daily things. So you learned about it in class, you went and applied it at home, you applied it at, in your job. So kind of like being able to do something like this, like hearing from a group of peers and mentors and being able to listen to some of this and see how it resonates with each individual and then them being able to take it and then share with somebody else kind of already instills a lot of those. Because we have a lot of those traits already. It's just how we use them. And learning to use them. Yeah, we have those traits, but helping us develop the skills to actually use them in all situations, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think the best part of our program right now is the discussions. I think, you know, I have a lot of our classmates, my classmates that are a lot younger, but they're aspiring to be athletic director and I'm kind of in that role now. So I feel like I'm almost kind of writing stuff that situations that they're going to see at some point. I know with your class, you know, I know we were emailing back and forth, but talking about emergency action plans, like things like that, that getting put into discussion, I think that will help them for the next 30, 40 years of their lives. Um, but being able to give real life examples in that discussion with how the class is laid out is, you know, very important and definitely beneficial. That's great. Lisa or Joey, anything you want to share there? I was just going to say about the discussion boards and, and the instructor presence and the feedback that we give. And I think um, even devising the discussion board prompts. So when you're creating a prompt, the ones at the graduate level, especially in this certificate, are multi-leveled. You're not just going to get away <laughs> with just kind of giving a basic definition. We're going to be asking you those deeper questions and, again, asking you to really, again, challenge yourself. Um, I also think we're going to see that applicability as they learn more through the course in the that um, journal, the ethics journal. I know as I go into grade them, I'm surely going to be looking for your path, past, present, and future, and looking to see how you engage in that kind of um, process and then giving some helpful feedback to help them do that a little bit better. Um, and I think when they do the presentations, that's also where we really do get to see how they've applied everything that they've been taught. That, that's great. Going to take a little bit deeper. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's those discussions. It, it allows uh, for more of a humanistic approach because it is online. And so we're not, we don't see, it's just, it's just the writings on the screen, right? And how I've applied, and I think you, you've seen some of my discussions, is that I, I try to be vulnerable and, and understanding that I am not perfect. I make mistakes. I will own up to my mistakes. You and I have had many discussions um, on that. But it's to bring what I feel in my heart, putting that on, on the screen, and then allowing it to just have that humanistic feeling to it. And I've had some feedback where, you know, some of my fellow classmates are like, wow, like, I get I get it. I understand. Even though it's just written. Even though it is written, but it comes from a place where there's, there's definite feelings behind it. So Yeah, we really do strive, I think, to create the discussion boards to be validating. Yes. And, and I know, at least in my prompts, um, I, I end with be constructive, be kind, mm. be polite, understand how to, to phrase certain things, right. be respectful. Um, and I love you're, that. Yeah, I, I wanted to say you're demonstrating <laughs> inclusive leadership right, right there. And that's what, yeah, I mean, you have to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, getting as a, them as to be getting students to practice to that. think that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One last, well, two more questions, but, but let's each share a little vignette if you have one. Um, no pressure here. But think about your experience in life and your working life or your educational life and where you have experienced a challenge from someone else with inclusive and ethical leadership. Share what you can, no forcing here. You don't have to share a story if you don't have one or don't want, want to. But how did, how did you solve it? I'd like to, if, if we have a couple of examples of where we've been challenged and how we've solved it. And Lisa, in our conversation before the podcast, you asked me to share some stories. So I'll go first here. <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> and then you can all think of your stories while I'm going. 
I was in a position of leadership and my boss asked me to do something. And I, it required some personnel work and I started going down the path of doing it because the way it was explained, this was a needful thing to do for the institution. But I got partway down the path and it started to not feel right. And I explored it deeper without walking down the path. And I realized I was being asked to cross a line that I did not want to cross. So I went back and talked to my boss about that. And my boss said, I want you to do it anyway. And I chose to, after a lot of thinking, because it was a very nice job, I chose to exit the job. Um, so, so that was my biggest experience in, in, in a challenge of, it was, it was, he was asking me to do something. We think of ethical leadership. If you are told to do something, do you always do it? And, and Ali said, when, what do you do when no one's listening? Um, what do you do when it impacts you, right? And so I had to go through a lot of thinking there, but I was not willing to cross that line and I chose to exit that job gracefully. Yeah, I mean, my situation is very similar. I don't have to expand on it. it. I think that's, you know, courageous that you stepped away from the job. And, I, you know, my situation is very similar. Uh, but, you know, again, I went to my boss and said, hey, I'm not going to do it. He didn't – I didn't have to resign or do anything like that. But, you know, it is a difficult situation in certain – especially when you got a job that you love and you feel like you're heading down a path that you can't come back from. But to be able to stand up and say, hey – these are my values. This is what I'm going to stick to, I think, is commendable. It, it, it really is important, I think, for all of us to do that because sometimes we can feel like, you know, we're being told to do something by a boss, right, or, or a teacher or a something. And if it crosses that line, having that ability to speak up, like you said, BJ, I think that's really important. Any other stories anybody would like to the share? The word perseverance comes to me where I was kind of challenged and I'm like, well, I'm not going to let up. I'm going to keep doing kind of what I think is the better route and what the, is for the better good of the um, community that I was going to be serving. It was like, I'm going to keep persevering and kind of being accepting. If it works out, I'm going to do it as best I can and prove everybody wrong. And if it doesn't, I have to accept that and take what I've learned and apply that to something else. So kind of you guys had to persevere and kind of stick to your guts on, you know, what you thought was right. I think that's like a good encompassing word to kind of overcome challenges yeah that's a great word i would have to say probably kind of like what you were saying a previous employer um you know where i previous employer it as soon as i would walk in um i just felt it was just like a lot of weight on my shoulders and you get that feeling in your gut that you know just something just isn't right and you try to kind of work through it and say okay this is just something new but when you see that from the leadership standpoint, it's not what you're seeing on the outside is not necessarily what happens behind closed doors, right? And so I, too, then realized that for my own sanity, right, I need to walk away because if I don't, then I'm not going to be well myself because then it's going to affect my health, so um, I that's when I decided to walk away. Yeah, it, that 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 ability when the when the when the job is affecting you in a way that negatively impacts you, recognizing that again, Ali's word perseverance right. um, and the courage to step away. 
I, I think what I'm hearing from almost all of you was that feeling that you get. And you and, and then if you have that feeling, you know that's your trigger. That's telling you that there's some kind of cognitive dissonance. What you're being asked to do and what you value are opposing. And it is courageous and it is to persevere to get through that. Um, I'll just say as a school psychologist and a licensed psychologist, we're often put in these positions between, say, um, a school district, uh, the family, and the child. And our ethics is to do no harm. The child is our primary client. And we get pressures all the time. Schools saying, oh, do not recommend this. We can't afford that. That's not it. Parents saying, oh, I want all of this top of the line new things for my child. And we're, we're I'm hearing those all the time. And my ethical duty is to the child. And I have to always frame things, frame reports in what does this child need? What is the best that we can do for this child and I'm not here to make you happy and I'm not here to make you happy um, but it's it's learning again how to walk that ethical line and balance keep yeah. the balls in the air and and stay true to what you're there for that's so. a that's a really great example of of having to balance the competing needs um, in in a job I think we all feel that but that's a great example thanks for sharing that Lisa I have one last question for all of you what has surprised you most about either teaching in this area or learning in this area? I'll go first. Stretching, being stretched to, where, to the point where I feel uncomfortable, but knowing that when it's all said and done, <laughs> yes, 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 that I will be a better person because of that, a better understanding, that then I can apply what I've learned in the online classroom setting, I can apply that to my personal life and to my professional life. You know, as the college president, you could not have said better words for me to hear <laughs> that your course is stretching you to, to your boundaries. I think that's great. That is great. Yep. <laughs> Anybody else have a surprise in either the teaching or the learning they would like to share? I think I've always wanted to impact somebody's either their life career or something like that but to kind of hear that like the class they're like beneficial or helping it's kind of just like like that validation that like okay all the sleepless nights I made making sure all the syllabi were in and getting everything approved by academic council and all those banging out different things here and there were actually like it was worth something like taking on this responsibility for the students that were enrolled and kind of making them my priority is like it was worth it and that just kind of hearing the students feedback and kind of like the appreciation that the courses were and what these programs are doing for them in their careers um it's kind of a nice surprise. It, that's the best part of teaching. And this is just the first time you've offered it. Wait till you've perfected it in the <laughs> subsequent years, right? <laughs> BJ or Lisa, anything you'd like to share in a way of surprise in the teaching or the learning? You know, I, I touched about it a little bit about the fall classes in psychology. That was a big surprise, and it's you know it was awesome. Um, you know, I'm interested to continue to go through. We have another four or five classes before I think it's all said and done. Um, you know, when I was looking to come back and get my master's degree, it's always something that I wanted to do. Um, you know, I took a job right out of once I graduated from Widener. I saw this program, typed it in Google, it popped up. I didn't know it was a first year program. Um, you know, I was just worried about getting to the finish line, but I'm learning in each single class. And I think especially for the younger graduates, you know, the, the kids that are just graduating college, I think it's really going to help them in the long run. 
Um, you know, so I'm going to be an advocate for the program, even though I'm not finished, I'll definitely get through it, but, uh, you know, I'll help you guys out in any way that I possibly can. But I think this is a program that's only going to continue to get better and definitely take off because there's definitely going to be a need for it. And, you know, students are definitely going to want to come in and, and take this program. Yeah, that's great. I'd like to see you guys start to offer this at the, at the, in the arts and sciences tip undergrad students too at the undergrad level anything that surprised you lisa i just i'm I'm surprised by my own learning all the time because i think you know it's reciprocal so we're, we're teaching you guys but you are also teaching us and we learn each time small things about the students and about how they relate to each other and it's like so you do feel like you're doing a good job and I'm also really excited and exhilarated by this because hearing the feedback today, and I know I've, I've read some of the feedback from the other courses that have been held this year, it's, it's on a trajectory of success. And I think we have seven students that will graduate in the Master's in Applied Psych this summer and will have earned that certificate. And they did it in a year. That's you know, we did it great. in a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that, that's what I'm surprised about. I'm surprised about the lifelong learning, the, the differences in age and experiences, but yet everyone finds something that, that helps them. That's really valuable. That's really valuable. I again want to thank each of you, BJ, Allie, Joey, and Lisa, for being part of this two-part Albright Out Loud episode, an exploration into inclusive and ethical leadership, a topic that is so important today and always. The insights and stories that you have shared have brought a lot to this discussion, and I think will bring a lot to the communities that hear this podcast. And to our listeners, thanks to you as well for coming on this podcast journey with us, which is our first two-part episode, but a topic in which I feel we could really go much deeper than just two episodes. I invite you to explore more about Albright College through our website online at albright.edu. And also be notified of each episode of Albright Out Loud by subscribing to Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, or wherever podcasts are streaming. I hope to welcome you back next time to Albright Out Loud. <laughs>